What do you remember about that? He asked. Appleby shook his head, with the odd result that something floated into it. God, Appleby said. Gribble beamed. That's it, my dear fellow. You're right on the spot. Just go ahead. And, with another second for thought, Appleby went ahead. God, of whom music and song and blood are pure, the day is never darkened that had thee here obscure. He glanced at Gribble. That right? Meredith, isn't it? Precisely, Appleby, precisely. George Meredith's Phoebus with Admetus. Every stanza ends with the four short lines that you've quoted. Rather a lovely effect, to my mind. There's great charm in a really cunningly contrived refrain. No doubt, Appleby said. But I don't quite see— And now listen. This time, Gribble applied himself not to the ceiling, but to his papers. Purple glowed the clusters ripened on our vines— Golden was our honey in the cool, dark combs. Golden gleamed the metal rested from our minds. Purple were the hangings in our high, proud homes. Gribble paused from his reading and looked up. He was evidently in a mood of modest triumph. Do you remember that? he asked. I can't say that I do, Appleby frowned. And I have a very fair memory for verse, as it happens, although declaiming it isn't much in my line, and I'm blessed if I recall that bit about our vines and mines and combs and homes, or all that about purple and gold. Not quite up to the rest of the poem, is it? Hmm, Gribble said. He didn't look too pleased. High, proud homes, was it? Appleby went on. He felt like mildly teasing Gribble, Of course, Meredith could be terribly vulgar, but homes like that sound to me a bit too much like gracious living and all that, even for Meredith. Gribble chuckled. Or rather, it wasn't quite a chuckle, which is essentially a plebeian sort of thing. The sound emitted by Charles Gribble was conditioned by the existence of three or four generations of Gribbles flourishing on banking, or whatever— and it seemed to hold a suggestion of, so to speak, wheels quite enchantingly within wheels. There was, it appeared, some quite enormous joke that Appleby wasn't yet within a mile of. Well, yes, Gribble said. Meredith could strike uncertain notes, and perhaps high-proud homes would be one, eh? Gribble momentarily put down his papers in order to rub his hands together. Meredith never quite got clear of his grandfather's tailor's shop, but he tried, he tried damned hard. Perhaps that's what he's doing here. Would that be it, Appleby? I mean to say, that's how your mind would work, isn't it, if I told you that Meredith had scrapped this proud home stanza, struck it out, you know, before the poem was published. That would be why you don't remember these particular lines, eh? My dear Appleby, lines existing. Gribble was clutching his papers again, and now he flourished them. Only in manuscript. Now I understand you. Appleby had no difficulty in showing decent interest. 
You've secured a batch of Meredith's manuscripts. Gribble again produced his gilt-edged chuckle. That's the inference, he said. That's the inference, certainly. Holograph, you know. Are you acquainted with Meredith's fist? Highly idiosyncratic, spotted anywhere. Most satisfactory, Appleby said, having glanced at the sheet thrust at him. And he could understand Gribble's sense of triumph. His bundle of papers was a substantial one. He must have come by this unpublished material of Meredith's in quite a big way, and he was losing no time in crowing over it. Probably, too, Gribble had paid a great deal for the stuff. The market for such things was now entirely mad, and soon Gribble would no doubt publish his find, with appropriate critical remarks, on the back page of the Times Literary Supplement, which was very harmless, very harmless indeed.